book of John, chapter 1. We'll begin to read in verse number 1 as we begin a new study uh, in the book of John uh, this morning. John, chapter 1, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand, those that are able, those that can, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in John, chapter 1, begin to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness to the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would challenge us, would speak to us. God, as we pray every single week that we gather in this place, we pray your spirit would convict lost people of their sin, their lostness, their need to be saved. And God, I pray that they will choose to turn today and receive Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray you will grow us as disciples today to learn more about Jesus and to grow deeper in our relationship with him because of what we do learn. And God, I pray that in these days we will be just like John. We will be bearers of that light and point people to the only hope that man has, and that's to receive Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. Challenge us, speak to us. I pray, God, as we come to a time of invitation, whatever it is you're wanting to do, in our individual lives, it'll be done today as we bow our will to yours. It's in Christ's name we ask and pray these things. Amen. Now I invite you again to please be seated. In Revelation chapter 1 and in verse number 1, John writes these words, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel and to his servant, John. The title of our message this morning is Revelations Before the Revelation. Um, about 20-some 20, 20 years, um, several years, I'll just say, uh, before uh, John wrote the Revelation, which I just read the first verse from, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John wrote the book of John. And in chapter 1, often the first few verses... Uh, of a book uh, in the Bible, they're ignored just like the middle verses or stanzas in the hymn book are. We sing the first, second, and the last about every hymn. It's just the way it is in churches. You don't have time to sing them all. Uh, but uh, stanzas three and four, if it's a five stanza hymn, you know they never get sung. Well, most of the first few verses of books are just read right over. Um, and, and often we miss a great deal of truth. And so in John chapter 1, John begins to reveal some truths about Jesus Christ 
uh, that we ought to take note of and ought to be an encouragement to us today. I want you to notice some of these truths uh, today with me. Uh, first off, I want you to notice his dawning. Notice his dawning. We're talking about Jesus, and we're looking at his dawning. And that's kind of a gotcha uh, first point because Jesus doesn't have a dawning. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have a debut. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word. When we're speaking about the beginning, uh, we're looking at the same thought in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. We're talking about when, when time, as we know it, as man, really first began. In the beginning, when, when we began to recognize time, the Word was with God, the word, the word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he, he's speaking of uh, in the beginning. And, and so in verse number 1, which says, was the Word, the Word is Jesus Christ. He's not talking about the Word that's laying in your lap, but it's a title that's given to Christ. Revelation chapter 19, and in verse number 13, the Bible says these words, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and His name is called the Word of God. And so in verse 1, we're talking about in the beginning was the Word. It's not the, 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 the Bible that you have in your life, the six, six chapters that we know that were organized by the early church, all books inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Words are expressions of thought that can't be seen. Um, I'm thinking things that you can't see in my brain. But I express those things that I'm thinking so that you can understand what's in my brain. Well, God is spirit, and God can't be seen by human eyes. But Jesus is the Word. He is the visible revelation of the invisible God. And so that's what the Bible's speaking of when he's given the title of the Word. Jesus is the visible expression of God the Father. Look at it again in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word. And so we're seeing the eternal existence of Christ. He always was. That word was in verse number one, it's an imperfect verb. Uh, that means literally that, that there's no beginning. Uh, when I say, you know, Chad was born, uh, it was a great day in my uh, county's history. Chad was born January 5th, 1973. Well, that's the date that it happened. It, it, it began on that date. Well, that's not what we're looking at here. It was an emphatic truth that that was the beginning of me as far as in the world. January 5th, 1973. That was when, that was when I was born. Not the same verb here in verse number one. Look at your Bibles again. In the beginning was the word. It's an imperfect form. That means that there is no beginning. That's what John is, is speaking of. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John wrote, these, these words, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus Christ and the time that they spent with Christ as disciples. He said, the life verse two was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so John says in the very beginning, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was 
the Word. And so he's speaking again, helping us to understand that Jesus Christ is eternal. He has no beginning. Look at verse number 2. He was in the beginning with God. Now, the beginning again is the, 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 the time when we began to understand time, Genesis 1-1. And John is saying, in the beginning, when God said, let there be, Christ already was. And so what the world would have you to think and the devil would have you to think is that on over 2,000 years ago on Christmas morning, that's when Jesus Christ began, or nine months prior. Not so, friend. The Bible teaches that our Savior, who bled and died at a cross on Calvary, he always was. He has an eternal existence. His dawning that I made a point of, there is none. He didn't have a debut like I did and like you did when, on your birthday. Jesus Christ always was. He still is, and praise his name, he always will be. That's our Savior. So John wants us to see about the eternal existence of Jesus Christ first. Second, I want you to notice not only his dawning, there was not one, that's the play on words, but notice this, this is a truth. Notice his dwelling. John begins to share with us about where Christ dwelt eternally. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. That preposition means to say he, wherever God was, that's where Jesus was. And they existed eternally. Now listen, our minds can't understand this, but God, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have no beginning. They always were. And our finite minds can't understand that. And my friend, if you try to think on it too long, your brain will break because you can't explain it. You say, well, how do you receive it? I receive it by faith. Because the just shall live by faith. And there are things that are unseen and unexplainable, friend, that we take it in faith because God's Word says it's so. Therefore, it's so. And so John is teaching us here that Christ always dwelt with God the Father. He always did. He says it of himself. John didn't have to say it. Jesus already did. John chapter 17 and verse number 5. As Christ prays in Gethsemane for himself, he says in verse number 5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, the glory which I had with you before the world was. He said, before we ever spoke the world into existence in Genesis 1-1, he says, Father, I, I want to share that glory which I had with you before the world was. So where did Jesus exist? Where did he dwell before time began? He dwelt with the Father. Wherever God was, that's where he was. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul begins to speak about a mind that we should all have. Philippians chapter 2, and in verse number 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's encouragement to the church at Philippi and to all Christians. We're to think like Christ, to speak like Christ, and to act like Christ. And, and here's the selfless example of Christ. Listen to verse 6. Who, being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And literally translated, it says that, that word robbery means a treasure so clutched that he wouldn't let go of it. He says it, Christ didn't consider the fact that he was in the form of God and shared his glory something that he wouldn't let go. He had to let go of that, verse 7, so that he could make himself of no reputation 
take on the form of a bondservant and come in the likeness of men. Jesus came, friend, he set aside all that visible glory, the dwelling that he had with the Father. He left heaven to come to a place called earth that he could live, die, and then rise again. And verse 8 says, And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Well, Jesus died. He rose again. Well, what happened after that? Well, Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1, speak of the ascension. After he had ministered for 40 days, Jesus went back to where he had been for all of eternity. And that was, that was with the Father. He, he told that that's exactly what would happen. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus said, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. We Last week in our uh, Bible study lessons, we saw Jesus says, I have to go so that he can come. Jesus says, I've got to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Listen to verse 3. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, where is that? Where he had always been for all of eternity, friend. And that's with the Father. And I know we're living in a challenging day, but friend, that's a good word of encouragement. That this isn't all there is. One of these days, Jesus Christ is coming for his church, his bride, and we're going to where he is with the Father and with him will ever be. And so John reveals some truth about his, his dwelling. Uh, Acts chapter 7, the first martyr of the church was, was Stephen. And boy, he preached a message in Acts chapter 7. Convicted their hearts, they hated truth, and they were ready to stone him. But verse number 55 of Acts chapter 7 says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Well, how could he see the glory of God? It's the visible manifestation of the glory of God. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus Christ. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. People sit and argue, well, where did Jesus go after he died? He went back to where he had always been, where he had always dwelt. He's in heaven with the Father. And friend, he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. He's there this morning praying for us. If you're here today and you've never been saved, Jesus is praying that you'll respond to his love and you'll be saved. If you're out of fellowship with God today as a believer, he's praying that you'll repent. You'll experience his revived touch. You're facing challenges and hardship. He's praying your faith will be strengthened. And that peace that we sing about today, Philippians 4, that passes all understanding, it will rest upon you because it can only be known through him. It's, it's his dwelling. It's where he's at. And it's the hope that we have, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when we die as believers, friend, listen, we go to be with him. And theologians can argue as to exactly where that is, where he is. Friend, listen, I don't care if it's at a 7-Eleven in Uly, Florida. If that's where Jesus is, that's where I want to be. Wherever he is, friend, it's going to be perfect and with him will ever be. That will be our dwelling place. So we see his dwelling. Third notice, John shares truth. He reveals some truth about his deity. We need to be reminded of that. 
in the days in which we're living, friend, when, when Jesus is just a byword, when, 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 when theologians who wouldn't know God if they met him in the road are trying to reduce him to just a good religious teacher, we need to be reminded that God the Son is, God, is, is in likeness with God the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We need to be reminded of the deity of Christ. Look what verse 1 says. In the beginning was the Word. He always was the visible expression of God. And the Word was with God. That's His dwelling place. But notice this. And the Word was God. He was God. Now, you may have some people from time to time who knock on your door, and they're going through your neighborhood, and they've got a little pamphlet they want to hand, hand you, and they're working hard, friend. I wish the church had their work ethic as it comes to the Great Commission. But these people are working hard trying to be a part and to get a seat on the plane that holds 144,000 people. And they're trying hard to get to heaven. But if you read their Bible, don't miss this. If you read the Bible that they have in John chapter 1, verse 1, this is what their Bible will say. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That's what they, they believe that Jesus Christ was a God, but they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. See, some people believe, well, you, you Christians, you believe in one God that's really three gods. No, friend, we believe the one God who has revealed himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three different gods, one God who has revealed himself in three persons. And you need to understand that because I'm convinced that discipleship is so lacking in the lives of so many, they can't express what it is that they believe about Jesus Christ. And you need to know that so that you can have a conversation. If you're not able to shut the door, you don't feel led to shut the door, and someone tries to share that, you say, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ wasn't just a God. My friend, he is God. And you need to be able to share that because the Bible says that it's so. And notice verse 1 again says, friend, that word was, it's the imperfect verb. He didn't become God when he died on the cross. God didn't make him God. It's it means he always was God. He was always the visible expression of God the Father. It's the same imperfect verb. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26 as, as God is creating, all things are created. We'll see his doings in just a minute. But, but God the Father says this in verse number 26 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us, capital U-S, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Well, who's he speaking to? He's, he's speaking to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all together. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus. A voice came from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was God the Father. God the Son had just been baptized. And God the Holy Spirit lit upon him in the form of a dove. All three together in one place. One God, three persons. Now, listen to me. That's one of those things, again, friend, you need to understand. You need to be able to receive. But if you sit and try to tell me, Oh, I've got it. I can fully explain. You're a liar. You can't. Because our human minds can't fully break it down and understand how it's possible. But by faith, we believe that it's so. And so that's, 
It's his, his deity. John chapter 14 and in verse number 9, Jesus uh, speaking to Philip, uh, began to say, uh, says, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus says, if you've, if you've looked upon me, you've seen God because he was God in human flesh. You need to understand that about, about Jesus. He was God in human flesh. Philippians chapter 2 again in verse number 6, the, the Bible says, who being in the form of God, Paul was writing again to the church at, at, at Philippi and saying, Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. Titus chapter 2 and in verse number 13, Paul writing says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, friend, God the Father is not coming to receive us at the rapture. God the Son is coming to receive us at the rapture. And Jesus said, If you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Don't allow secular, unbiblical teachings to strip the deity from Jesus Christ that is rightly His and has been for all eternity. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. And so John writes about His deity. Fourth, I want you to notice this morning, he also begins to write about His doings. His doings. Notice what John begins to reveal about us. And I just want to say, this, this is so important for the day in which we're living because so many Christians, are, their minds are being, uh, and their children especially, their minds are being brainwashed by secular teaching about creation. I, several years ago, uh, I rode with, well, I, I followed the bus down to some dinosaur museum in, in Georgia. My daughter's school was, was going to it. And so I went down there, you know, to, to be a good dad and to, to walk around. And uh, she actually, you know, she wasn't a teenager then. She wasn't embarrassed to be with me um, like she is now. And so she was glad to see me and see me there. And she walked around, held my hand, and we looked at all the different things. But I'll never forget, we were standing there, and, and I don't remember exactly what the name it was, but some brontosaurus, rexius, something, uh, there was a skeleton there. And the woman who was in charge of it, you know, she was just, uh, she was there, and she was just spouting off. She was, now, 15 million years ago, um, this evolved, you know, from a pile of goo that, you know, was the form of this. And I remember my daughter, she kind of, Emma, she looked back at me, and I was just like, because she knew that wasn't right, and I knew that wasn't right, but I just saw people just nodding their heads like this. And a lady walked over me, and she says, she says, do you believe that? And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I don't, because the earth's only about 6,000 years old, and we can date that from Scripture. And nothing just came about from Uzra. Everything was intellectually designed by a creative God. And he has revealed himself in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that. Because you, you, you hear that all the time. You read news. Well, 10 million years ago, this came about. And 50 million years ago, this evolved. Friend, listen, nothing evolved. And I want to remind you again, when you're hearing all the politicians saying that the, what, the, the number one threat to the world you know, is global warming. Friend, the number one threat to the world is sin. It's sin. It's lostness. And this earth will not dissolve and burn up until the one who designed it is ready for it to happen. Notice what the Bible says about that. He, he was in the beginning with God. And look at verse 3. And all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. All things. 
So that means everything physical in this universe that existed in Genesis 1, God spoke it into existence, but it was made through the hands of His Son, Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do you know that Jesus did? Well, look at verse 10. He was in the world. That's speaking of the Word. It's speaking of God the Son, Jesus Christ. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. So in Genesis 1-1, and then the verses after, when the Bible says, and God said, let there be, let there be, let there be. Friend, listen, the, God said it, but the one who brought it and fashioned it into existence is the Son, Jesus Christ. So things just didn't happen by accident or by chance or by evolution. They happened because God spoke it and Jesus made it so. Paul writing to the church of Colossae in, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. We just preached through this book, but I'll remind you again. Paul says he is the image. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this. Jesus is the image of of the invisible God. That is, if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. The firstborn over all creation. Now listen to verse 16. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him because He's King Jesus and He's Lord over all of it. That's what the Bible teaches. So you, you need to be able to reject all that secularism that people are trying to, to, to merge together with the Word of God. It's not so, You say, well, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. I don't either, but I receive it by faith. That's the way you have to, you have to receive it. So quit trying to figure out things with your mind and receive it with your will. That If God says it's so, it's so. But it, it, it gets better. Listen to verse number 17. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. He not only created it, friend, He's the one that holds it together. What's that verse saying? Jesus is the glue of the galaxy. What keeps the sun from moving one centimeter out of place where the earth would absolutely burn up when we came back into that rotation. Because Jesus said, you sit right there, and friend, it has sat, and it'll sit till he's ready for it to be extinguished and be out. What causes the earth to spin? What causes rain to do what it does? What causes all of these things? Because God said it so, and it'll happen that way. So when you, and you may be here this morning, you know, you're like, well, I'm just all in the global warming. Listen, that is your choice, but I'm telling you, you are believing a fact. Is it getting warmer? Sure, it's always gotten warmer, and it'll get colder again. The point is this. Nothing's going to change on the earth until the one who spoke into existence and holds it together says so. We need to understand that. And receive. Does that mean we need to be poor stewards of the earth? You just go pour your motor oil out in the creek? You know, where we just overuse or overharvest? No, we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. But this earth God gave us to live and to stay us for one purpose, so that we could live on mission and bring more people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why we have life. That's why we have the things that we have, so that He can meet our needs, so that we can live on mission and serve Him. So listen... While we're paying $8 a gallon so that some 
hippie somewhere can live a pipe dream. Right underneath our feet in this country, friend, are all of the necessary resources we need to be able to survive and to sustain ourselves so that we can, not for ourselves, but so that we can live on mission and fulfill what God has called us to do. He, he's the glue of the galaxy. It's, it's his doings. Jesus, I love that song that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He made it wide. But I want to tell you something, friend. All of creation sings another song. They don't sing Jesus paid it all. Creation sings Jesus made it all. He made it all. Yesterday morning I was laying in bed and I heard the little birds out. I love it. Hear those little birds every morning. And I, I can make my wife laugh when I see it. You can just hear the little birds saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. They're just chirping back to each other. Praise the Lord. They're not worried. They're not afraid. They're, they, they're, they don't, uh, there's not a bird you'll ever find, friend, that's got an ulcer. Not a one. They're just praising the Lord for another day. Praise the Lord. Jesus, make you say, well, creation doesn't say that. There's, there's no way that creation reveals itself and says that Jesus made it all. Oh, write down in your margins, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Listen to what Paul says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Well, what truth is lost man suppressing? Listen to verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Now he's speaking about their conscience. God has revealed to all people in their conscience that He exists. That's why the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. You want to know April 1st is? It's National Atheist Day. It's National Atheist Day. April fools it because there's not an atheist on earth, friend, that doesn't know in the depth of their heart that God exists. They're liars. How so? Because God says right here, God has manifest. Listen, verse 19, because God, what may be known of God is manifest in them. God has revealed himself to all people that he exists, for God has shown it to them. But not only their conscience, but there's also creation. Listen to verse 20 of Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, his, that's God's invisible attributes, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Well, what was lost man's response? Because although they did... Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and foolish. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They professed to be wise, but they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God to an image of man-made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. What's he saying? They began to worship creatures rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever, the Bible says, amen. And so all of nature, friend, every day cries out this truth. Jesus made it all. Jesus made it all. And these poor lost people are running around in their little religion of worshiping else. Listen, they'll rip a baby, an unborn child from its mother's wombs and celebrate it while they hold it by its ankles. But God forbid one polar bear fall off a glacier and drown in the ocean. They've got it so backwards, and they've got it so upside. Why? What's happening? Because the devil has clouded their minds. And they worship the creature rather than the one who created all of these things, and his name is Jesus. And so John reminds us of his, his doings. 
that all things were created by him and for him. But not only does John remind us of his doings, but he also speaks of his deliverance, what Jesus Christ did for a lost man. Look at verse number 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, a foundational verse that you need to know so that you can share. It says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that's Adam, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Lost people are dead spiritually. That's why our text this morning in our Bible study classes, John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, even though he was so religious, he said, you've got to be born again. You've got to have a spiritual birth. Why? Because spiritually all men are dead. But the Bible says in Jesus was life. And so that's the life that we need in us. That's the truth that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, and you he made alive. Those who repented and responded to the gospel by faith. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Well, how could someone who's spiritually dead be made alive? By life being given to them. And John says, again, in verse number 4, that life comes from Jesus. Look at it, John chapter 1. In him was life. In Adam, Romans 5, 12, was death. And that's what we were all born, spiritually dead. But in Christ was life, and that life was the light of man. Well, how can we experience that life? Look at verse number 12 of John 1. But as many as received him. Not joined the church, not signed a card, not decided to be Baptist, not turned over a new leaf, but those who receive him. Well, how do you receive Jesus Christ? Well, first off, Luke chapter 13, verse 3, you have to repent. The Spirit of God has convict of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. I can't shame you into being lost. I can't shame you to feel lost. Only the Holy Spirit can bring re reality to your heart of who you truly are spiritually, and that's lost in need of spiritual life. Then you've got to choose to turn. Luke 13, 3, that's repentance. Ask God to forgive you. You've got to choose to turn and then to receive Him by faith. I want to remind you, friend, the Bible doesn't say that you're saved by receiving Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. You're saved by receiving Jesus as who he is, King of kings and Lord of lords. And you receive him to be Lord of your life. Listen, one of the saddest verses in verse number 11. That so many people had been just like Nicodemus, Jews. They had read about the law. They had gone to the temple. They had been a part of those sacrifices. They had seen all of those types and shadows. It, it's something I shared with the Sunday school class this morning. Which would you rather really see? The light reflected off the moon or the source of the light? And that's the sun. The moon just reflects, friend. The moon can't do anything. It's just, it's just up there. It's as dark and as lifeless as we are. But at night, it reflects the light of the sun so that we may see. And that's what all those Old Testament sacrifices did. They simply reflected the light of Jesus Christ. And then one day, on that beautiful Christmas morning, light came to the world and began to grow. And for three and a half years, he walked among his people and began to reveal himself. And that's what we're going to see in the book of John. But as he revealed that light, 
he, they wouldn't receive him. He came into his own, and, and the own received him not, verse 11. But Jesus said, but John begins to say here, those that are saved those that have spiritual life, look at verse 12, they receive Christ. The Jews wouldn't receive them to be Lord. Remember Palm Sunday? They heralded him, hail, hail, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They didn't want a spiritual, they didn't want a spiritual king, they wanted an earthly king. Jesus says, my what is not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. He came to be kings of hearts and kings of lives. And in verse number 12, but as many as receive him to be kings of their life, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name, who were not born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. It's a spiritual birth. And so it's, it's his deliverance. It's what Christ came to do that we might experience life. Well, let me give you just a few Verses that will help encourage this this morning. John chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. Uh, Jesus began to speak to a woman who had been called in the act of adultery. Terrible thing that happened. I mean, they called her in the act. And all of the self-righteous men came out, not for the right way. Remember, the purpose of discipline, church discipline, is always the point of restoration. It's never punitive to punish it, it's, it's to help restore a person, to take them from where they are to back to the place that they need to be. And so they're, they're trying to trap Jesus. Hey, Moses' law says we need to stone this woman. Let's, let's get rid of her. And you remember what Jesus said? You among you who uh, has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. And he began to get down on the ground and began to write something. The Bible doesn't say what it was, but I've always wondered, just me wondering, if he began to write some names maybe. John, Bill, Joe, maybe her client list. And all of those men who stood around began to look down on the ground, and they realized, whoa, and they began to back up. And Jesus said this truth. Listen, he said, woman, where are all the accusers of you? Has no one condemned you? Now listen, not spoken truth, but condemned her to death. When he's speaking about condemnation, he's talking about condemning them to hell. That's what Jesus is speaking of. You need to understand that. Because this is one of those twisted scriptures. People say, without preacher, I can't judge nobody. I can't. Friend, listen, we're not. If black is black and white is white. And what the Bible calls sin is sin. And so you're not judging someone by talking to them and saying, listen, this is, this is what the Bible says this is, and what you're doing is wrong. What Jesus is speaking of condemning here is taking stones and killing that woman and condemning her to hell because of what she had done. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now listen, he spoke of her sin. Then Jesus said to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, friend, when you're lost, you're lost in the darkness of sin. But when Jesus comes into your heart, you have light. And when you have light, you have life. And in John chapter 3, that's what Jesus began to continue on in his conversation with Nicodemus and speak. Listen to verse number 19. Jesus said, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. They're born in darkness, but they love their sin and they love their lostness more than the light and life that they can have in Christ because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil 
hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. His deliverance, friend, is that when you respond to Christ, the light and the life that he has comes to live within you. Malachi 4 and verse 2 declares Jesus is the son of righteousness. But remember, it's not S-O-N. Malachi says he's the S-U-N of righteousness. Jesus Christ shines light that lost people who are dwelling and groping in darkness need to be saved by. Listen, if you're here this morning, you've never been saved. You're, you're, you're just dwelling in darkness. That's why you feel so lost and hopeless. You can't see the way to go. You can't experience God's peace. You can't experience his, gui his, his guidance on your life. But when you respond to the call of the Holy Spirit and you choose to be saved, friend Lynn, then, then the light of Christ shines into your heart and into your life, and then you experience spiritual life. The reason our country seems so dark, again, don't get called up with all of the people on social media. It's not because of a political party. Our world is dark, friend, because of sin. And the only thing, friend, that will bring light into this world and change the direction is when men and women receive Jesus Christ into their heart as Savior and Lord. It's his deliverance that John speaks of. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 8, Paul said this truth. He said, for you were once in darkness. He's speaking to those believers in Ephesus. But now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. Verse 11 says, don't miss this. We're going to imitation. Verse 11 says, he came into his own, and his own received him not. He came there as light. And they're like, we won't receive that light. And that's why in Luke chapter 19, that Jesus going up to Jerusalem, stood, and he wept. He began to cry as he looked at Jerusalem just prior to all the things that were going to happen. And it wasn't because of the cross. It wasn't because of the scourging. It wasn't because of, of the rejection. It, it was because of what he knew was going to happen to them. He, he saw the city and he wept over it, Luke says, saying, if you had known even especially in this your day the things that make for your peace but now are hidden from your eyes. What happened? They crossed a deadline. They had an opportunity to receive the light and to receive life, but now they'd passed it. Now, I want you to know, friend, that the Bible clearly teaches that, behold, now is the accepted time, and today is the day of salvation. If you've never been saved, this is the day that God wants you to be saved. But you need to understand, friend, that there's a deadline fixed in front of you. That deadline may be death. If you die without Christ, hell's where you'll spend all eternity. But you need to understand... God doesn't promise that just because He calls today to be saved that you'll have that same opportunity tomorrow. Genesis 6 says, My spirit will not always strive with man. And while you have the day, the opportunity today to receive God's light, if you want, the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 13 says, that there is for you a place reserved of eternal darkness forever. What makes darkness darkness? It's the absence of of light. And what makes hell so dark? It's because the light of the world, that's Jesus Christ, will not be there. If you've never been saved, receive Christ today. He loves you. 
He died for you, and he's done everything short of violating your free will. But you must choose to receive. But as many as received him, you have to choose today to turn from all your sin and all your life, all the darkness. And I promise you, friend, when you turn to Christ, light is going to come into your world, and things will never be the same. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Have you received that light? Have you turned from the darkness of your sin and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life? I invite you to do that today. He loves you. He wants to save you. He died to save you. But you have to choose today to receive him to be Lord of your life as you turn from all of your sin. If you want to do that, won't you tell him so right now in a simple prayer of faith? Pray just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge it. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. I believe that Jesus is the light of the world. And I want his spiritual life to live in me. I turn from sin. I believe, Jesus, you're the Lord of the world. Come be Lord in me. That's my prayer today. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean it? Would you be bold in just a moment as they begin to sing? We're going to stand at our feet in just a moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer and you trusted Christ, I want you to make your way down to the front where I can encourage you and what God wants to do next in your life. You know, a verse we're going to look at next week, friend, says that the the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. That means darkness can never overtake light. And I know it's a hard day. And I know it's dark. And you may be facing some challenges that look really bleak and dim in front of you. But you need to be reminded, friend, that those challenges, those adversities, the things that are going on in our country and around the world, they will never overtake the light of Jesus Christ. Be encouraged in that today. And won't you be encouraged and reminded, one verse that we read, that the Bible spoke a little bit about John the Baptist, a text we'll look at next week, that John came to be a witness. Not that he was the light, but he simply pointed people to the light. If you've been failing at living on mission, pray God will break your heart, and that in the days and the weeks to come, you'll be found faithful, pointing people to the light of the world. Father, thank you for reminding us of these truths about you today. God, I pray that whatever you're calling us to do today, it will be accomplished as we yield ourselves to your will, your perfect will for our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Let's reverently stand up.